Support for Home Row is brought to you by Baron Fig, tools for thinkers. You know, as writers, we rely on paper, and I think the good folks at Baron Fig make the best notebook and journal on the planet in the confidant. It's a hardcover cloth journal that lays flat right when you open it. It's incredible. You don't have to use your arm or you don't have to crinkle the pages or anything to get it to lay flat. It lays flat right when you open it. They also make great pens and pencils and all kinds of notebooks and all kinds of sizes. And listeners of Home Row, you get 10% off just for listening to the show. Just use coupon code Home Row. That's all you need. So go to baronfig.com, place your order, and get to writing. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Home Row, and, and today on the show, really excited to have Tony. Tony's on. Tony, how are you, man? I'm good, man. Doing well. Good now, to be with you, Jeff. I always felt like there was an, an internal conflict that I had with with saying your, your last name. <laughs> I, You're not the only one. I've heard some yeah. people say Merida, but that's not right. That's okay. It's, it, it's Merida it's Merida. Merida. Even if my own family does doesn't agree, so. Um, <laughs> what about all you your know, your wife and children? Are you all on the same page? All my wives. <laughs> no, no, all your kids. All your kids. <laughs> yeah, I go by Marita. That's what my grandma said uh, in Michigan. So okay. I'm like, I'm going with grandma. Yeah, grandma's always always a safe bet. Yeah. So are you from Michigan? Yeah, yeah. I was born in Detroit, 1977. Oh my god. My goodness. dad was born and raised in Detroit. Um, they moved to Kentucky, where my mom was from, when I was small. So I grew up in Kentucky, but uh, I grew up visiting uh, Michigan a lot. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm just just a Texas boy. I've never lived anywhere else. Yeah, well, you know, Texas is a great country. That's, this is true, and I've only lived in Houston. I've not lived anywhere else. Wow, that's really cool, man. Very, I like you. Very unique. Very, I like you too, Tony. Okay, so so tell us, you know, for the listeners out there who don't know who you are, just uh, tell them about your job and and your family and uh, and what who you are. Yeah, so um, yeah, I have a, a wife named Kimberly. Uh, we've been married going on fourteen years. We have five children. Um, all of them are adopted. We have uh, four children from Ukraine and one from Ethiopia. Um, we adopted uh, the Ukrainians, uh, four of them at one time. They were a sibling group of four. And um, they were a bit older than, than most uh, kids who were adopted. They were four, six, seven, and nine. And so right now, uh, adding the Ethiopian, uh, we added him a, a year later. Um, we have currently have five teenagers. Wow. We have, they go from 13 to 17. And so, um, you know, Kimberly and I are only 40, but we've got some older kids. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of challenges. Um, we planted a church called Imago Day about six and a half years ago, and the church is really, really doing well. It's growing, and um, we've got a lot of, a lot of exciting things. Got a number of challenges as well. It's been a hard year in many ways, but um, really privileged to be able to, to pastor um, and to preach and lead at IDC. Um, the whole when we started, I also started working at Southeastern Baptist Seminary, teaching preaching, pastoral ministry. Um, and that came to an end, uh, last week, actually. Um, oh, really? I was stepping away from the seminary and, uh, to focus on, uh, Imago Day. And I, I picked up a few new, um, responsibilities with Acts 29 as well on the, their blog and podcast. And so 
um, about to enter a new season. I haven't pastored Imago Day without being a professor also. So I'm really looking forward to what this new season is like. Yeah. I, I plan on continuing to teach, you know, um, but uh, I'm saying goodbye, at least for now, to the world of academia. Yeah, tell uh, tell the listeners a little bit about the the new partnership that we've that X twenty nine has going on with the Gospel Coalition and, and your role with that. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, so I, I did the podcast for X twenty nine for a year. Um, I think I was like the third option for them, but um, <laughs> I was happy to take it. And um, uh, this year, Steve Timmis, our CEO, asked me to also take the blog and mention that TGC had expressed a desire to form a partnership. And basically make Acts 29 like the church planting arm of uh, the TGC site. So they have, you know, TGC is a variety of networks that kind of um, uh, their, their pieces and resources are hosted on TGC. Right. Um, and so they wanted kind of a consistent voice on global church planting. And so it's a perfect space for us. Um, you know, it, I think it will give increased exposure to our, our guys in A29. Uh, I think we've got some of the best content producers uh, in, uh, in around the world, uh, uh, guys who can write, who can preach. We just generally have really good thinkers in A29. And so uh, part of my role is just kind of uh, asking guys like you and uh, many others to, uh, you know, write some pieces on, um, you know, practical aspects of church planting or share a story from the field or whatever. Uh, I'll be contributing some pieces as well. And then our, our podcast will also be hosted there. Um, and so, uh, the, the goal is to have, uh, two blogs a week or a blog and a podcast every week. So, um, guys can, uh, access, uh, you know, some church planning content, um, weekly at TGC. Ah, that's so good, man. It's exciting. And if you're an X29 mm-hmm. guy listening to this, uh, definitely, you know, get, get some stuff in mind and, and send it, send it over to Tony and see. Yeah. They'll, they'll be and I for just content. add with that, I would just add with that, Jeff, like I, we're not exclusively X29, um, in terms of um, what we're going to be posting, um, even on our podcast, I have a variety of non-A29 guys who are there. Um, I, I would just say, you know, we, we want to see churches planted around the world. And there's some guys who are doing that, you know, through city to city, some through their denomination, some through, you know, um, the SBC. Um, and that's great. We, I just really want to be an encourager and, a, and a, I want to help catalyze and facilitate church planting. Uh, through this. And so uh, if anybody's listening out there and you have some some ideas, thoughts about pieces we should uh, write, stories to cover, um, we, we really want to serve the whole church. But kind of behind it, uh, A29 is producing it, Gospel Coalition is hosting it, um, but we really want to serve, you know, the broad uh, evangelical world. Perfect, man. Love it. Now, before before we get into writing, because, man, you're a, you're a prolific writer. you got a lot of stuff going on out there. Uh, before, <laughs> before we get into that, um, what's something that you, you do for fun that maybe the listeners don't know about and, and should? Well, you know, I love to dance. No uh, way, my, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I love to dance. In fact, we are going away on a cruise Saturday, um, for a week. I cannot wait to just sleep and dance and rest with my wife. Um, we, we've started trying to do this annually, um, and w- w- it's not extravagant kind of cruise. It's, we don't even care where the boat goes, honestly. We just want to <laughs> yeah. put our phone up and awesome. sleep and just have a good time. I, we did this three years ago, and I found it to be the most relaxing thing I, I'd ever done before. And um, so um, we, don't, we don't actually go clubbing or anything like that. Right. But we, 
um, we turn the music on. We like to dance. We, we just had a, a gala or gala at our church. And uh, I saw that on Instagram. We had, yeah. we had some dancing. It was a lot of fun. Oh man. Um, so I just, I like hanging out with my wife. We, we like, you know, um, just, uh, going out on the town and we love music my wife's a musician she's actually can actually dance and do music i just goof around you know yeah but, yeah I'm with um, you. yeah i'm a big baseball fan sports fan so pretty much anything related to baseball basketball football i can even watch soccer um you know uh, i don't get into cricket but um you know, I love love sports as well. It's a great pastime. I'm a, a bit of a foodie, so okay. Um, you know, I, I do my own pour over coffee. I'm very particular about my coffee. Oh, me too. Uh, me too. I make I can make really good guacamole. Um, I, I, I like to cook. Uh, got a little smoker. Uh, uh, the Texas people appreciate oh, that. Yeah, they probably would laugh at my smoker. Though, oh so. no. Uh, <laughs> but I, I enjoy I enjoy cooking. I love it, man. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Same, same here. My wife is, you know, she was a ballerina, danced all the way up into, you know, like high school. And so, yeah, when we go to weddings, it's just, I, I can't, I can't even two-step, but I'm, I'm yeah. a freestyler, you know, I yeah. like to get up there and make sure I can, you know, more yeah. emotive kind of dancing for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't know how this would go because we had never had anything outside of a wedding that included dancing. Right. And even how you were trying to explain a gala. So it was a fundraiser for our orphan care ministry and justice ministries. But I kind of pitched it as a wedding reception without the wedding. Right. And so Perfect. we'd all get dressed up. We'd have a meal. We'd hear from these stories. At the end of the night, we would, we would you know, dance. And people loved it, man. They, they already can't wait for next year. Oh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a great idea. That's, yeah. We need to do it. My wife says all the time, she's like, I just want to have a wedding reception because they're so yes, much fun. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, I didn't clear this with you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and, and share it. Maybe people don't know about this, but I think they should is that there is also a infomercial out there <laughs> called T-Bone Hymns. Yeah, yeah. It's time to sing yeah. with your favorite artist. His sound oh, is unforgettable. My. He has sold zero records, <laughs> but now for the first time from the pulpit to the studio, TBC Recording presents a collaboration with T-Bone Records, Tony Marita, with 10 originals. Hey, they said your name right. And now the greatest yeah. studio hits are available for the first time. <laughs> Christ the Lord is risen today. <laughs> all right man that's enough i won't i won't do i won't do it to you anymore oh man that's been played so many times it doesn't bother me dude In i fact, love it the guy who produces our h&m podcast which you're going to be on soon uh dan um he he was at that church with me that was when i before i was in raleigh and he recorded me for four years, and um, he told me that I'm I'm uh, I'm muting you back backstage uh, in the sound booth, so you don't have to worry about it. So man. I knew he was he was he was recording me. I didn't know he was going to do this big video. So that was my last Sunday night at the church. They played that. That is awesome, man. Yeah. I I don't know when I saw that. It was you know a couple of years ago maybe when when I saw it. Ever since then, I am making sure my mic is muted. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like, I just, I think about it. I probably think about it once a month. Like, every, every time I see Russ Moore, I mean, every time he brings it up, <laughs> we, it's just, he, he's, he's taken with it, man. Yeah. Jim Shaddix called me one time. He's a mentor of mine and he was watching it with, uh, our friend David. And he said, um, man, we cannot stop laughing at this video. He said it could happen to any of us, but yeah. we're sure, sure glad it happened to you and not us. Right. Well, what I love about it is that you're singing, you know, yeah. like, it's just a shame when, especially when men aren't singing and especially pastors be like, 
It doesn't matter if yeah. you're good, bad, or you know, serviceable, right. or you know yeah. what, man, you're singing and that, make melody with our that's, hearts. That's right. It was an honoring, mm-hmm. an honoring service to the Lord. Is what that was. And so are your books. Oh, so man. that was that was a transition right there. Nice, I like that. Yeah, thanks. I like that. Thanks. Mm-hmm. That was um, a nice two step. Yeah, that's the best two step I got right there. <laughs> so, dude, I, so I, I pull up your Amazon author page, mm-hmm. and it won't even all fit. <laughs> you, can you believe that? Twelve, yeah. twelve books is what Amazon is telling me. Some of them are Bible studies, but that counts. And yeah. so, when 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 someone asks you, "Hey, what have what have you written?" What, what do you usually say? First of all, I'm I, I'm surprised myself that I've written anything. Um, you know, um, it seems like yesterday I was just learning how to read. I had a reading problem in college and uh, failed the reading part of the ACT. And uh, so the, it, it is just uh, evidence of grace that anything with my name is out there. You know, um, I tell them it depends on who they are. So if they're wanting a Bible study, I'll just direct them to the commentary series. I've written eight volumes in that series. Seven of them are in print. One one will come out soon. Um, if they want something small and like a missional, uh, ordinary is is the best one. If it's just orphan care that they want to focus on, I would say orphanology. And then I have two or three uh, pieces on, on preaching. And then, yeah, some I have a couple, actually three, I think, DVD Bible studies for uh, two of them are for students, I think. Uh, ones for adults, so kind of depends um, when we're talking. You know yeah. what I think they would be benefit, uh, what they would benefit from. That's good, man. You got an awesome, awesome variety from the Bible study to to ordinary, and then these commentaries. So I'm gonna write all these off. And these are great series. I'm I'm preaching through Galatians right now, and I and I use your your Galatians one. I just I just love it. So he's got Philippians. We've got Galatians, Acts. Matthew, I think you're an editor, maybe because you're a series editor on that one, so you're included, mm-hmm. but hey, you're there. Mm-hmm. You got mm-hmm. Ephesians, First and Second Timothy, Titus. Which one did you do in there? Uh, two Timothy. Okay, Second Timothy. Two Timothy. You're like British, getting British on me, man. Yeah, I like the twos, man. The two Timothy? I go for two rather than second, yeah. Two Corinthians? Uh, I do two Corinthians. I know Trump got in trouble with that, but he's actually <laughs> right, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what D.A. Carson says, too. He, he says one yeah. and two and, and all that, so that's probably the only time in the universe that President Trump and D.A. Carson will be united <laughs> yeah. on something. Yeah, Steve Timmons was in town, and he, he was preaching from 2 Corinthians, and he said, let's just go ahead and clear this up. This is the only time I've ever agreed with Donald Trump. <laughs> it's 2 Corinthians. <laughs> awesome. Okay, then, Mark, you're a series editor. Uh, yeah, I said Philippians, your Ephesians Bible study. I'm going to link all of these two on the show notes, which you can find at homeroadfiresidefm slash 30. This is the episode with Tony, and so you can find those there. So the Galatians, the Exodus one. But here's what's amazing on Amazon. One of your Exodus commentaries is on mm-hmm. sale for a hundred and fifteen hundred and fifty dollars and sixteen cents. Are you serious? hundred and fifty? hundred and fifty bucks. My goodness. That yeah, is it's not worth that. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't buy that. But that has th- been the best. I think that's that's actually sold the most of all those really? commentaries. Exodus. Yeah, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, was, I have on my chalkboard in my office about you know books I want to preach through next and, and Exodus is is man. on the is on the list. I loved it, man. So the, yeah, yeah, that, that. orphanology. So yeah, man, you, you've written so much. Um, how did you become a writer? So you, you mentioned the, your, the reading struggles you had. So what, mm-hmm. what happened along the way? Was there someone that encouraged you? Was there just this kind of transformation? Um, how did you become yeah. a writer? 
Well, I had a the the reading problem was a comprehension problem. I would take these exams and I, I couldn't remember. I couldn't retain information. I could, I knew how to read, and I actually loved writing from a very young age. Uh, in fact, when I was in uh, grade school, uh, we would write narratives, and the teachers would uh, we would then we'd read them out loud, and the teachers would always want me to go last because I was like the uh, I was a bit of a class clown, and so. Okay. My stories were just creative and funny, and I, I lived for that creative writing class. I just loved it. Um, and then I was uh, – journalism, I did really well in high school. So I, I always had a bit of a knack. My sister is very poetic as well. And at one time I wanted to be a hip-hop uh, artist, and when I was in sixth grade, I would rap every Friday in art class. And so I, I would write these rap tunes as well. So I just always enjoyed uh, writing and um, – um, I had a hard time just with science and, and the various things we we're reading in school. And then these exams, I, I just, I don't know what it was, but I had a block. And, uh, when I became a Christian in college, when I was a sophomore and, uh, immediately, you know, they said, you got to read books, man, you got to read this, you need to read this. And so I was like, yo, I, I can't read well. And, uh, you have anything with pictures? I'm like, no, you need to, you need to read. So <laughs> I, uh, started reading slowly. So this was my, uh, this was my this was my uh, minor league career in reading. My friend uh, Kenny, I was a baseball player in college, and uh, he was a pitcher on our team. He was discipling me. He said, um, "Hey, you should read Max Licato because he's got uh, chapters are like one page, two yeah. page." And he said, "You read a page a day. That, that'll be our goal." And so I did that, and um, really uh, that, and really the Lord just he, he just I think he just changed my entire. Yeah capacity, you know, to retain. And, you know, now I'm able to memorize and obviously recall things and, um, that I, I didn't know I, I would ever be able to do. Yeah. Um, but that season in college, part of my discipleship was, I think, learning how to read and retain information. And, and so it then translated into academia, you know, I was able for what, I don't know what that, that reading block was that was keeping me from being able to, to comprehend and retain, but it, I got over it. And um, it's not a problem um, anymore. So um, I think when I went into, uh, I did an MDiv at New Orleans Seminary, and then I was doing a PhD. And so part of the reason I wanted to do a PhD was I wanted to learn how to write better. And um, I wrote my dissertation on John Piper, who obviously oh, has really? a pretty, yeah, pretty awesome writing career. And um, so I, you know, basically studied every sermon that Piper had preached uh, up to that point, and uh, I'd read all of his books as well. And so he's not just a great preacher. He's he's actually a really good writer. He has an English background, that sort of thing. So I think Piper helped me a lot. And then Piper turned me on to other writing nerds like C.S. Lewis and, you know, uh, Jonathan Edwards and uh, the Puritans. And, and so I just, um, I just saw the value of, of writing. I saw how you can um, make an impact for years and years and years to come. I also saw um, when I, I wrote my, my first book was on preaching after I wrote my dissertation. And I wasn't, here's the interesting thing. I'd, I'd never set out to write any of the books that I've written. Um, when uh, my first book on preaching, uh, the publisher came to our campus. I was teaching a class and they said, do you have anything you want to write? And I said, no, not really. And they said, well, what books are you using for class? And I rattled off four or five different preaching books. And I said, I, I got this notebook of fill in the blanks that I'm taking the students through this semester. 
Um, and they said, do you think you could turn that into a book? And I said, yeah, I think I could. Um, but I don't know what I would do in class once I print the book, you know, it's like everything I know is in the book. Um, and, but I ended up finishing that. It was called faithful preaching. And, um, even, uh, from our church members who were not into preaching, um, the people, there were people in our church that were readers and people I didn't really have a relationship with, uh, not to any real depth. And then all of a sudden, man, we developed a relationship. And I just found that you reach certain people mm. in, through writing and reading that you don't uh, reach orally and, and through preaching. Like there's a different part of the brain that is that you're interacting with. And uh, so I also saw the value of that. Like I want to preach, but really what's underneath my burden is the gospel. And I want I want to get the gospel to everybody around the world. I want it to be clear and, you know, so on. Um, and so let's use every every uh, avenue that's available. You know, let's let's preach to oral cultures. Let's preach in the pulpit. Let's let's do the blogs. Let's do the podcast. Let's let's do books, you know. And so it became really like a missional pursuit for me was um, I see the value in this. And then what happened was uh, we adopted five kids and a publisher said, would you write a book on orphan care? And at the time, Russ Moore's book was about the only one that I knew of that had a real gospel focus. And so uh, we said yes. And we wrote it in like four months, um, um, me and a friend. And after that, um, I came to Southeastern Seminary to preach in chapel. And uh, my friend Nate Aiken said, hey, I'm excited about this commentary series you and Dad and David Platt are doing. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? He's like, that. Yeah. <laughs> Brayton said, you guys are doing commentary series. I'm like, are you serious? I think the only thing he told me, he called me up one day and said, hey, man, what, what books have you preached through? And I like told him, and he said, okay, that's, that's helpful. And Amazing. when I arrived on campus, he's like, yeah, I was thinking you'd write on the books you preached through, and I'll write on the books I preached through. David write on the books he's preached through, and we'll get some other guys to write, and we'll do a series. And um, I was like, hey, man, I know how this is going to work, okay? Um, you're going to give it this SBC uh, credibility. David's going to make the book sell, and uh, I'm going to do all the work. I, I can already <laughs> tell where this is going. So I didn't set out to write that one. Ordinary was the same way. I was approached, and they said, we'd like you to, like for you to write something on so, social justice. And so I didn't really want to write another book, honestly. And uh, I said yes to it. Um, and then I went on sabbatical, and um, you were supposed to write or research on your sabbatical. And so I thought this would be a good time to revise faithful preaching. And so I revised uh, that into the Christ-centered expositor. So that's that's been the story. And um and now I'm just doing more on the blog um, and uh, sermon prep. Um, my friend Michael Bird uh, the other day said something that I really resonate with. He, he said he wants to write a thousand words a day, wow. and he doesn't really care wh- wh- uh, how it's done. It could be a blog, a sermon, a book, an article. Um, and that's really, when he said that, I'm like, that's the way I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't write on the scholarly level like Bird does, but... Um, uh, I just feel like the Lord has made me a content producer, and um, I just, uh, I just, I feel fulfilled. I feel like uh, this is this is how I can serve the church. You know, um, I think that the the danger in writing is, um, as a pastor, is you want to make sure you're not getting away from your people uh, when you're writing. And um, uh, Tim Keller, I had the privilege of having a brief conversation with him. Um, a couple of years ago, and I asked him about writing, and um, he, he said, um, "Man, pastors really shouldn't write books. 
unless they're they're using that time to serve their people first. Right. Um, and and we shouldn't make this like a pastoral qualification because, you know, uh, it's not in the the pastoral qualifications. Teaching is, but that doesn't mean all of us need to be writing. And so I don't also want to put a crazy uh, sense of pressure on on pastors to say you you have to write. Um, I think you you have to teach your people well. Yeah. And so what I've tried to to do, and you see this especially in the commentaries. Those are those are sermons that were first preached at my my church, and so they they've benefited hopefully from from the content there, ordinary all of that material, most of orphanology, all of that is has served our particular church. So um, I, I'm not you know after uh, I, I really don't want to I, I'm not pursuing any kind of writing goals in terms of sales or anything. I told a guy the other day, like, I've never even read a review of one of my books, and I hardly know of uh, what they're, how they're selling. I just want to write them, and I pray that they would serve people. And I have some close friends who are good critics, you know, and can give right. me feedback. Um, but I just don't want to get in this game of, man, we're writing to, to sell and make a name, because mm-hmm. I'm really not. I want to, to write so the material can be permanent, that it can be useful, that it can last for generations. Um, so that's a bit of the story, man. That's good, man. You know, I'm so for the listeners out there, I think they just need to know Tony's uh, journey into writing and publishing is probably not going to be yours <laughs> that, uh, cause you ha- have, you, ha- you have not sounds like you haven't had the experience of a rejection letter from a publisher. <laughs> no, no, I haven't. Oh, you're missing out, man. You're, just, you're, <laughs> you're missing out. It's, it's like being, you know, I think every kid should have the experience of being picked last in gym class. It's just yeah. good. It's good for the soul. It's good for your, your now, uh, I've had humility. that in other levels. Okay. Know? Yeah. I've had that. I've tried to, when I first started preaching, I tried to be a camp pastor at a camp and I got rejected the first two years. So I have felt that I, that actually stung, I think worse than a, a <laughs> proposal would for me. Oh, um, I've got, I've gotten so many rejection letters and, and all yeah. this stuff. It's, oh, it's just a great experience. You know, yeah. <laughs> the, the Lord uses it. There's Amen. So Amen. many things in, in our lives that, that we need. Today's episode of Home Row is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. The CSB offers an optimal blend of accuracy and readability, which helps readers make a deeper connection with God's Word, and it also inspires lifelong discipleship. The CSB is equally suited for serious study or for sharing with your neighbor hearing God's Word for the very first time. Learn more at csbible.com. Dot com. You know, those are, so I had two questions that I wanted to ask you and you kind of, kind of started touching on them. One, like, um, so your family and pastor and then the writing. So like, what are some of the ways that maybe you, you try to balance them either through schedule or writing, you know, okay, I'm going to take today and write, or I guess, how do you maintain all of those things together? Because I know there's a lot of demands on your schedule with your family first and your children and that comes with all that and their sports and then just family time and time with their wife. And then uh, as a pastor, I know that the pastoral duties and calling and shepherding and the elder meetings and sermon prep and so much going on. And then commentary series. Uh, so all that stuff. So how do you balance all these things? Man, it is uh, the challenge of my life. Um, I start with the kids. So we have a few small commitments we try to stick to. Um, so we have a Bible study every morning at 630. For whoever shows up, <laughs> I get started at 630. <laughs> it's a nine-minute Bible study. 
Um, but it's it's every morning. We, the reason it's nine minutes is our middle schoolers have to be out the door for the bus at six thirty nine, and so um, the high schoolers have to be out the door at seven. So um, we started that um, a little over a year ago, and it's been uh, it's been fantastic. Um, take a passage, I'll, I'll read it. Um, sometimes we'll do a catechism or uh, one of Keller's little books or something like that. But it's just it's something gospel um, in the morning. Right. Uh, the kids don't really have to talk. You know, they can. We're like, get your bread. They've already eaten, or sometimes they bring it to the table, and I do uh, a bit of teaching, and um, and then we pray. So we're reading the Bible and we're praying together, and it, it's nothing that would wow people if they were to look in. But I think it's the consistency yeah. and the cumulative effect of that over time. Um, I, I think is very valuable. So we've made that a real commitment. Uh, if I'm out of town, Kimberly does it, or we'll ask one of the kids to lead it. Um, and then uh, in the evenings, we have the same commitment for uh, dinner. Um, we occasionally have uh, members over for dinner. Um, we have a lot of people in our house, and we have a lot of people that stay uh, in our house. Actually, we've had a, a, a guest living with us for the last three or four years, different guests. Um, so we, we love hospitality, practicing hospitality, but... Um, we, we also are committed to that family dinner table. So sometimes that means that there's a guest there with us. Um, but we, I really don't like missing the table to go out to eat um, with somebody else. I, I'm really just trying to protect that time because, again, we got a small window. They're 13 to 17 years old. Yeah. And I just feel like the, the times around the table are crucial. So um, we try to guard that as much as possible. Outside of, and, and the dinner is very casual, and we're just catching up on the day, and we just try to have a lot of fun. Um, and um, beyond that, the weekends are pretty flexible. Uh, Kimberly and I, we, we put the kids, the kids go to their rooms around 8, 8.30. They don't go to sleep, but they go to the room. And so that gives Kimberly and I a couple of hours um, to uh, get caught up and hang out and whatnot. Um, so that's that's kind of regular weekly rhythms for us. Um, um in terms of um, preaching and writing, uh, so I don't really think in terms of balance. Um, I think more in terms of, uh, I guess, uh, rhythms and um, um, seasons. Okay. I think that's even better. So right. I just feel like there's some seasons where I'm going to be spending a lot of time writing. Um, now, I'm, I'm kind of coming out of that season because I don't have any books in the shoot. So I'm kind of done right now. Um but I'm, knowing that, I, it's almost like a final exam week. You know that you're actually going to be spending a, a lot of time, and you're probably going to pull some late nights, early mornings, but you just accept it because it's a season. You can't do that all the time. You're around, you'll die. Right. But you just kind of know, hey, this is a season I'm in. Right now I'm coming out of it, so I'm enjoying it. And the blogs and stuff are, are much easier. Um, and then with sermonizing, you know, it's um, – I have a, a strange schedule. Um, um, I, I, I work on Monday on the following week's sermon. So I spend eight hours usually on Monday, um, and I send my notes to our elders. I work from home by 5 o'clock so they can see where I'm going and for accountability. Um, and that, that helps me because I can then set it aside, and I don't really work on it at all until Thursday. And by then it's just oh, wow. editing. All right. Yeah. So Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm doing uh, more church pastoral work. Uh, I'll work on a blog or two 
Um, you know, but I feel like the priority of my week is um, preparing uh, the sermon for Sunday. That's my particular role at our church. That's not for every pastor, but I just feel like it deserves my first attention and it deserves the largest block of uninterrupted time in uh, hurry. And so, um, and then out of that, and, and here's another piece of that, out of that weekly sermon comes pretty much everything else in my ministry. So um, books, um, articles, um, podcasts, conversations, uh, conversations with my kids, conversations later in the week with our staff, like so much of everything is flowing out of that, that time in the Word. So um, it's benefiting our church, but it's also anything else that I'm going to do of benefit is flowing from that time. So I found it to be helpful. It reduces stress off of me to yeah. get it done early in the week. Um, and then it can also be sort of the, the engine behind the rest of my week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's um, good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, a great, I think a great thing for pastors to do because you're, you know, already making all this content for your sermon. And mm-hmm. there's been articles, you know, that I've submitted to Desiring God or, or whatever. And just, hey, mm-hmm. these were, you know, two points I had in a sermon. And mm-hmm. I just, just take them out, clean it up a little bit, and then turn it in. And man, it does save you from having to, oh, I got to think of something. I got to come up with something creative, something new and, and whatever. Right. Right and on. So it kind of, the, kind of flows into the other question that you kind of already hit on a little bit about pastors and, and writing. And sometimes mm-hmm. they, you know, you said it so well that sometimes pastors feel this burden, like, oh, I, mm-hmm. sh- I should be writing something. I should be doing, mm-hmm. you know, something. So I guess, so help the brother who's, you know, you're running into him at a conference and, He's like, man, I, I don't, should I write? I feel like I should I have an idea. So, so should pastors write? Um, and what, what avenues? Yeah. You... Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you helped me clarify that. I don't, I, I think pastors should write. Um, Piper's is very big on this and I agree. Like it just helps you think. And so, uh, why would you not want to, that, that would be a question of mine if you have the capacity to, to do that. Um, so if you want to be clear, and I think for it's it, it's it's for it's for the good of my own soul as well. I just want to tell them writing doesn't mean writing books necessarily. Um, you can write journal in, in your journal. You can you can write for your wife. You know you can you can write for your elders. You know you can write a newsletter for your people. I, I just think uh, writing helps in so many ways. You know. Um, I think it will even help your oral communication uh, in terms of like enunciation and uh, clarity. I remember uh, I went to seminary with a guy who had a really thick accent. Uh, He's from North Georgia and uh, super intelligent. And he asked a professor, uh, how did you get rid of your accent? Um, Because this professor at at one time had had a really thick accent, southern accent. Um, But but he doesn't anymore. And he's a scholar. And uh, he said, would you listen to my sermons and tell me what I can do? And he says, I don't think that will help. He said, what what helped me was actually learning how to read and write. Mm. It's like it was amazing what happened when I understood English, uh, how I began to articulate differently. And once I started writing, it just really improved every aspect of my communication. And so I just think writing will help the pastor in, in many, many ways. Uh, learn how to be a better communicator and and why would we not want to do that you know yeah absolutely well i'm hold i have your book your latest one the christ-centered expositor sitting sitting right here right here next to me a field guide for word-driven disciple makers and it got me thinking thinking about Mm -hmm. writing 
mm-hmm. what would the Christ-centered writer look mm-hmm. like? So, mm-hmm. so you have the, you know, maybe the stay-at-home mom who, who's got a blog and mm-hmm. maybe she posts recipes and all that kind of stuff too. But then mm-hmm. you've, maybe you've got, you know, a, just a guy who works his, you know, sales job, but he's also, you know, does some mm-hmm. devotional writing, you know, for, mm-hmm. uh, for his church. So what, what would the Christ-centered writer, what should we have in mind? What should we be in tune with? What, I, what would a Christ-centered me, writer look like? That's a great question, bro. Um, to me, it's a worship question. And so whatever you're writing, we're writing it unto the Lord. And it's a, it's, we, want, we want it to please Him. Um, just like any other aspect of work, I would take the Colossians 3 idea. You know, as you work, do it unto the Lord, not to man. Um, do it with all of your heart. Um, and so ultimately we write it uh, unto Jesus. And so it would be more of a question of motive than actually what is being written, though that's, that's expressive of the motive, of course. But like as you write, let your heart be um, you're doing this unto, unto Christ. Um, and then at, in terms of content, like if you're writing recipes, like write really good ones that Jesus would enjoy. Amen. Uh, like I want to make coffee. I have a friend who's a coffee roaster. He's like, I want to make coffee that Jesus would just love. Um, and um, I think he made the best of wine, you know, That's uh, right. heaven, heaven says we're going to have the best of meats, the best of wines. Uh, mm. You're preaching, Tony. You're preaching, man. Um, so let's, um, let's do, let, let's do everything. We, we don't have to be, you know, over the top extravagant and be crazy in our expenses, but like for real, like let's do quality work. Um, we're doing this, uh, under the King. And so, uh, if you're a builder, like build great homes, if you are an inventor or a creative type, um, man, that's, that's, uh, an expression of your, uh, identity as an image bearer of God who, you know, our God is creator, he is builder, he is sustainer. And so um, it, we, we just view life under the Lordship of Christ when we want to put all areas of our life under his Lordship and we want to please him with, with everything we're doing. Uh, and so that also means resting well, which I need to, to hear a lot. Like I can rest, I can have Christ-centered sleep, <laughs> Yeah, you know, knowing that he's controlling the world and I don't have to work all the time. I don't have to freak out about everything. I can have Christ-centered recreation, you know, uh, enjoying what he's given me and recharging my batteries so that my service will be more meaningful and productive. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a great question. And we definitely don't want to make Christ-centeredness just about preaching, but uh, about all of life. Yeah. yeah, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, mm-hmm. do all to the to the glory of God. And, Amen. In the name of Christ. So two, two final questions. They'll be quick ones. Do you, do you have any uh, favorite books on writing that you would recommend? Like maybe, you know, guy at your church or a gal or seminary students. Hey, Tony, I'm, what book should I read on writing? Have any, any ideas? Um, man, I was just putting my books in my bookcase yesterday because I've shifted my office. Um, and I do have a handful of books uh, on writing. Some of them were helpful. Um but honestly, I, I can say the, the, the best help has been to read uh, really good writers. Um, and I, not just Christian writers, but anybody who is writing well. Um, so that I would just say take time, uh, slow down, um, read, read those who are 
Um, C.S. Lewis early on was like really beneficial to me. Yeah. Uh, Brennan Manning. Um, uh, there, there are various, uh, you know, poets as well um, that uh, just say things in, in very clever ways and expand your vocabulary. Um, so I, I just think instead of, you know, reading books on right, I don't like say that's a bad idea. I just personally haven't uh, benefited immensely from them. Um, they were good reminders, good refreshers. Yeah. Um, but I think if you will just spend time in, in, in good writers, that would be tremendously helpful. Perfect. Now, one, last one, and I know this is kind of like a kind of the uh, amalgam of everything that we've been talking about. But last, what would be a, a piece of advice that you would give to a, to an aspiring writer? Hmm. Man, that's a that's another good question. Um, aspiring writer. Oh man, I think a little bit like uh, Tolkien when um, uh, what was the, the little story he wrote? It's called Leaf by Nickel. Um, you may be familiar with that, but it was Tolkien writing a story about his story on the Lord of the Rings, and it's a like a like a, a parable of sorts. Okay. where this this kid was or where this writer was trying to basically draw or maybe it was an artist I should say a tree and he only sp- he only finished a leaf and but his leaf was like he'd spent so much time on his leaf he never got finished with the whole tree and so Tolkien compares it to the Lord of the Rings trilogy like mm. he wanted to write so much more and all he got wow. was a little leaf oh my and, goodness uh, I'm like well, that's pretty good leaf man yeah uh, <laughs> So I, I just think in terms of, of a, like expectation is um, you, you probably should lower them in terms of what might actually be produced and 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 be read by people. But don't let that discourage you. But like write your little leaf, um, whatever it is, and to word. realize that it's um, that it's the Lord ultimately that you're you're doing this for and. Uh, even if one person sees your leaf, but Jesus is pleased with it, you know, uh, it's worth it. So, it's good. um, don't try to set the world on fire, you know, don't try to uh, draw the tree, but, yeah. uh, do what you can do and, uh, enjoy it. And, uh, don't, don't be too puffed up by accolades and don't be crushed by the critics, but, uh, you know, draw your leaf, um, for the glory of God. It's good, man. Where can, uh, where can people follow you on, uh, on social media? Do you have anything you want to, point people to are you more Man, of a just, twitter guy or are yeah probably probably uh t- just tony marita on twitter um tgc now you can go to the acts 29 page if you go to ministry the ministry page at T uh, the gospel coalition uh you go to acts 29 you'll see some some pieces there as well awesome that's it and everybody once again i'm jeff metters you can find all the show notes and all of tony's uh, books here today on really you just gonna swipe either to the left or to the right or hit info there in your podcast app or you can go to homeroad.fireside.fm slash 30 and you'll find all that content here tony thanks for coming on man thank you bro thanks t-bone uh, in your hymns album get that on uh, <laughs> itunes vinyl go get it yeah yeah <laughs>